OTB AM. Think of soccer managers over in England who would be really good guy managers. Nigel Pearson strikes me as like a Talton Cup winning manager. He's the English banty, is that what you're saying? Po- OTB AM. Live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. The football kickoff with Sky. Watch every single live Premier League game on Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. All right, you're very welcome along to this week's episode of the football kickoff with Sky. We're live across off the ball social channels at half eleven every Friday morning, looking at the best five games on telly over the weekend. I'm going to run through these really quickly just so you know what's on, but I think we're going to be largely focused on the big game on Sunday. Uh, Manchester City versus Newcastle kicks off tomorrow morning at half past twelve on BT Sport. Arsenal versus Bournemouth is three o'clock on Premier Sports. Southampton and Leicester is half five on Sky Sports on Sunday. The early kickoff: Nottingham Forest versus Everton at two with Nathan Murphy and Keith Tracy on commentary duty for that one and Liverpool versus Manchester United at half past four with uh, obviously the dream team on commentary for that one I don't know what happened there Stephen Doyle and Kenny Cunningham on duty for that one Keith Tracy you didn't make the cut for the big game Jesus. no I, I think they're linking me with Deutsch they want all the Deutsch story so look I'm happy enough I, I, I do think that's a obviously look Liverpool United you know, it's everybody wants to watch that but I think the Everton one is just as interesting as well I think it's a big six pointer well, it's massive now that um, Everton's form has deserted them ever since the first game. But we'll get to that, right? I, let's start with Liverpool versus Manchester United because it's clearly the big game of the weekend. Uh, Phil, you have um, you, you're one of the few people in the world who managed to um, you know do some scouting on the the, the 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 videotape of the Liverpool game against Wolves against United. Wolves, yeah. yeah. Um, so what I took out of it, Van Dijk had a good game. Obviously, he scored, but Kanate was back, and that is Liverpool's best central defensive partnership. But They've barely played together this season. I think that was only the fifth time they've they've started together this season. So it's no coincidence as well. I think Trent Alexander Arnold had his one of his best games of the season because he has Kanata. He knows Kanata is there. So if he goes Roman forward, which he's encouraged to do, he knows that Kanata is there and it's not Joe Gomez or, or Joe Matip. And look I'm a big fan of Joe Matip, but just not having a good season. And that's pretty much since day one he had a bad game away to Fulham in the opening weekend and Jota has, he hasn't scored but just that energy he's brought in they're starting to press property again from the front so he went with Nunes, Jota and Salah as his front three and I, I think he might stick with the same three Gakbo came on he, had a, he played a part in the second goal but just Liverpool are at their best when they're pressing from the front so Jota gives him that Nunes obviously scored but it was disallowed and I was just thinking he's only scored one goal into the cup and that was against Napoli and he took like it was on the line any of us could have scored it when I say any I mean myself or yourself sure, yeah, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? he definitely would have yeah. <laughs> but I'm just thinking he hasn't had that big moment and where it's been he, taken away from him again yeah yeah so I'm just wondering is he saving himself for, for Sunday but they just look so much better when he's back in the team the energy he gives them and he causes defenders a few problems because they know that his pace is frightening he wasn't there against Palace last weekend and I can honestly say that Palace-Liverpool game last Saturday was one of the worst I've seen this season uh, A clean sheet though three clean sheets in a row for them y- Yeah if you forget the Real Madrid game Yeah in the league <laughs> Yeah um, I, I know but um, yeah it's it's one of those where Liverpool I, I think sometimes you do have to forget the Real Madrid game in a way like well, it, it, it's like Real Madrid have forgotten it because I watched Real Madrid last night against Barcelona and they were so bad yeah. they lost 1-0 at the Bernabeu uh, Copa del Rey well, yeah. we don't, we're, we're only Champions League winners big time Charlies yeah that's it well interesting Barcelona basically just stopped Vinicius and Liverpool couldn't do that yeah mm. um, what how do you think Liverpool 
are faring out at the moment, Keith? Like, what's your assessment of the reality of where they are? Uh, the reality is, look, it hasn't been a hasn't been a very good season. There's been a couple of couple of false dawns where you think maybe they're torn in the corner, maybe they're coming back to the old Liverpool. They did well against Wolves. They did look. They defended an awful lot better. Van Dijk got a goal. But the big one for me was Jota up front. They did look an awful lot more dynamic. They look more of a threat. Jota doesn't get on the, the score sheet an awful lot, but he stretches people. And it's not just he's attacking it, it's the way he presses as well. It's such a big uh, big weapon. Everybody talks about the press and then the counter press and the counter press on the counter press. Jota's very, very good at that. But I, I just I can't see. I know Liverpool look a little bit better, but I can't see anything other than United win. United are answering all the questions. <coughs> beat Barcelona over two legs won the cup during the week and even against West Ham you're thinking they got 1-0 down some of their bigger players are on the bench you're thinking right let's see what you're all about now Ten Hag makes a couple of changes and all of a sudden they win the game 3-1 and it, it was just brilliant and I think United have scored 12 goals in the last five games only conceded four Rashford's in, in form Casemiro looks brilliant I think Casemiro will boss the midfield I think he'll absolutely boss the midfield and then you know you're going to win the game from there Let's talk about Casemiro because I, I think Phil you're relatively confident that Liverpool are not just going to put in a performance here but actually win the game I think there's certain fixtures that sometimes can be good for a, t- a, a team and I actually that's how I felt about United and Liverpool at Old Trafford earlier this United. season yeah, where United had just got beaten 4-0 by Brentford and everyone thought Liverpool are going to go to Old Trafford and win but Liverpool had drawn a couple of games they'd drawn against Fulham and they'd drawn at home to Palace and United were brilliant that night and that just kind of kick-started everything under Ten Hag and they haven't looked back since Whereas Liverpool have been a lot better in the last few weeks. I mentioned I didn't actually mention Fabinho. He he had a good game as well the other night, and you'd imagine he'll start. That's the only one I could pick though. That's going to start. I, I have a feeling Jordan Henderson will probably come back in. Um, Bajcetic played the other night, had some moments, but you know he's still very young. And Casemiro been there, done that. Yeah. You know he's not going to. It's a big ask for Bajcetic to go up against Casemiro. Yeah, and even just listening to former United players talking about going to Anfield, it doesn't matter what kind of form Liverpool are in. It's still a place that is hard to go to get a win, and you know it makes logically United should go there and win because they're so good defensively at the moment. They could sit in, soak up the Liverpool pressure and Bruno Fernandes is so good at that first time ball on the half turn and all he's got to do is just keep looking for Rashford and he's going to have acres of space and if there's somebody in front of him. Well, that that, uh, Kanate Trent's thing that you've spoken mm. about that's going to be a, an area where there's going to be a lot of balls yeah. launched into and let's just see what happens yeah and look Liverpool fans would be a lot more confident that Canate can cut it out than they would be if, if it was a Gomez or a, yeah. a, a Mata playing but don't forget they beat Manchester City earlier this season with Gomez and Milner as a back, uh, part of their back four I, I, I think you know half four Sunday afternoon I think it's like the Liverpool fans are going to be up for it now the problem is they have moments in games, but they're not doing it over 90 minutes. So it's what can United do when Liverpool kind of almost, the the intensity comes out of them for a bit. We saw what Real Madrid did. Keith, you see these games so often that we hype them up and then it's nil all and there's almost no chances. This does not feel like one of those times where these two teams are capable of like being boring for 90 minutes. 
No, I, I don't see it happening. It's probably the, a course I'm going to put on the game. But look, I, I think Liverpool will go and press. They'll go and stand on the halfway line. They'll press really, really high. And the ball you're talking about when United do win it, the ball from Fernandez is not a difficult ball when, when the Liverpool back four or back two, back three, whatever you want to call it. If they're standing on the halfway line, you've got 60, 70 yards of, of green grass to hit the ball into. And Ratchford's going to be quicker. He'll outpace any of them. So it's not a difficult ball. Liverpool's rock and roll football. The intensity in the middle of the park is is a million miles off what it has been. Uh, to play the young lads Bezisic in there, you know he got he got schooled against Modric. I know Modric is one of the best players in the world. Casemiro is probably up there as well at the minute, probably more as, as a defensive midfielder. But it's a huge ask for such a young lad to be going in and playing them games, and he could be scarred from that Real Madrid game. Who would you pick then if you're Klopp this week? Well, Fabinho would definitely be in there. I think I'd put Henderson in there. I, uh, Thiago's uh, going to be missing, isn't he? I'm, yeah. I'm not too sure who they're going to put in there, but I would definitely put Fabinho, Henderson. Uh, maybe, I think he might play Harvey Elliott, but look, uh, I'm a big, big fan of Harvey Elliott. So I think in a couple of years' time, he could be a top-class midfielder, a top-class winger, whatever you want to call him. But at the minute, he needs to get there. Bezisic needs to get there. And you know, James Milner's in the team. You know, no disrespect to James Milner. I I, I played against him. He's a, he's a brilliant, brilliant professional, good player. But if he's in the Liverpool team at this age, just big, big question marks. Yeah, I, I'm a James Milner stan. Always have been. Think it's an incredible career he's managed to put together. But like, you really want him to be filling out the team ten times the year when your third choice right back is injured. And it's like, yeah, great. You know, and great in training, but not for games like this. And unfortunately, the Liverpool situation this year has been that yeah. he played big games who's your midfield? I think he might go Fabinho Bajetic and Henderson Elliot played the other night and seemed to play well I only saw yeah, highlights he did but the problem is Elliot has, just isn't good enough defensively at least Bajetic is good defensively there was a incident in the first half of the game where you know there was a, a there was a race on and he had to make this tackle and he, he you know he came away with the ball there was even in the first few minutes Alisson pinged one at him and chest high two Wolves players bearing down at him and he still managed to turn away with it he, you saw the turn he did against Newcastle yeah. so they're so confident in this lad Van Dijk did the same with him with a, a pass as well in the game where they don't care about they don't think he's he's been one of the bright sparks for Liverpool this season yeah. I know it's a big ask but I just think it's a case if they don't have anyone else. Naby Keita played last Saturday and... I forgot they paid 55 million for him. He's by far... I would think he's Liverpool's worst signing under Klopp in terms of uh, Money, value. expectations. Like, I'm not talking about those those loan signings they made, the likes of Ozan Kabak or Arthur. Or like, Mello, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm well, talking about... I mean, was he? Yeah, he's, apparently he's very close to coming back, but... You know, Will he play when he's back? Is, or do they respect him as a footballer? I, I can't tell. It's hard to know. Again, they're, they're very strange loan moves where, look, he, he did get injured. Straight away, basically. He, pretty, like he, he played, I think he got 12 minutes against Napoli in that horror show in right. Naples. And then that was it. He's, and the shame of that, he decided, no, I'm not going to play anymore. And he's, he's been injured. But I just don't see any other options. I think Milner could be an option off the bench later in the game. But unless, like, I, I just thought this season with all the injuries they had or players out of form, this was a chance for Klopp to go 4-2-3-1, a system he's played before. But he keeps going with the 4-3-3. I know he's tried 4-4-2 as well. But like I'm looking at their fixtures. It's such a big game for, for both clubs. But Liverpool's fixtures, just looking at them. After that, they've got Bournemouth away, City away, Chelsea away, Arsenal at home. 
and Leeds away. So if they were to go on a run, it would be amazing because it's going to catapult them up the table. Yeah. But equally, if this is the start of a, a blip or a bad period, then they can kiss Champions League qualification, but goodbye. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, well, this is the business end of the season. Does it look, Liverpool and United, there's a 10-point ten, ten gap between the two clubs. I, I actually think Liverpool will catch Spurs. I think Spurs will implode. And I don't think it'll be Liverpool brilliance that will get them Champions League football. I think it'll be pretty much handed to them by Spurs I think Spurs will you know I've seen them uh, against Sheffield United they look surprised that they got a game off them and like Sheffield United is a club I played for Bramall Lane everybody knows you're going to Bramall Lane you're going to get a game whether it's it's tactically physically it's going to be a football game and they made eight changes though Sheffield United like it wasn't even their strongest side so John exactly. Ligon I think was suspended but uh, like from the league game at the weekend where they'd won they made a raft of changes and they were still able to give Spurs their fill of it but that, that's the worrying thing on paper Spurs should have won that game handy even even if both teams had had their strongest teams out which obviously Sheffield United didn't Spurs just they didn't look up for the fight when you get out for and passion desire everything energy is with, with Sheffield United it's, it's very, very hard to go and say, I think Spurs will, will go and finish fourth. I really don't. I, I think they'll implode and Liverpool will catch them. If Liverpool are going to catch them, though, they need to put pressure on those teams above them. And it starts with getting some kind of result from this. Like, maybe if they don't win, it's not a disaster if they draw. But if they were to get beaten and badly beaten, that's the type of thing that could really have a negative impact on them. Yeah, and that's the one thing I, I think about Liverpool. They've been in games, even the Real Madrid game, they're, they're, they're comfortably ahead in that game and then they go and get beaten 5-2. It's it's a thing that Jurgen Klopp doesn't seem to have too many thoughts about is game management, you know. You go 1-0 up, you go 2-0 up. You can't keep approaching the game the same way. You need to be a little bit more clever in things. And look, far be it from me to, to speak to Klopp about tactics. He's obviously far superior to me in that, but... They just don't ever see, like, plan A is play football, plan B is play football, we're 2 0 up, let's keep attacking. You know, you can just have periods in a game where you keep the ball or you play long or you just kill the tempo of things. And Liverpool, the rock and roll of football is still 100 miles an hour, but the, the golden rule of football, this is what I tell my under 17s if there's no pressure on the ball, you have to start dropping off. And at times in the middle of the pitch, there's no pressure on the ball because the intensity's not there, yet the defenders are still on the halfway line. So I explain that. If there's no pressure on the ball, what do you mean by you have to start dropping off? If, if the ball is in the middle of the pitch and you're, you're, say, Jordan Henderson is two or three yards off the ball, any any professional player there can pick a pass. So Van Dijk, Kanate, whoever it is, they have to drop. You can't hold hold a high line if there's no pressure on the ball. That's the, that's the real one-on-one in defending. And no pressure, start dropping. But Liverpool keep that high line. Whose job is it to tell the midfield to press then? Is that like a knock-on? So it's it's Van Dijk. And it has to come from Van Dijk or the goalkeeper because they can see the whole the whole pitch. So I would imagine that Van Dijk is shouting to press, but Klopp is obviously telling him to go and have a really really high line. But as a player, if you're there and you can see that there's no pressure on the ball, you know you could be exposed in behind. So for me, I'm starting to drop off because a ball in front of you, they're not going to score in front of you. You can affect that a ball in behind you with the likes of Marcus Rashford. That's danger number one. To Phil's point earlier about uh, Kanate coming back into the team and this having an immediate knock-on impact on Trent. So it's only one game, small sample size, but now you have Virgil, who you hope is playing a bit more close to his best. Who it's been a long time really since we've seen a sustained period for him, from him at his very best for Liverpool. So you've got him and Kanate. That's a massive transformation from the previous two, where they've got the credibility to tell everybody to do their job in midfield. Is it is it possible that we underrated the absence of those players and the absence of the forward players through injury and that actually Liverpool are going to be fine but you know there, there isn't a massive crisis they're, they're not bored of, of Klopp they're not tired after last season really what happened was the most important players got injured together at the same time 
I do take that point there has been a lot of injuries but Chelsea have had a lot of injuries Chelsea have an awful lot of injuries Arsenal's best player in Gabriel Jesus has been injured you know and it, it's not just the personnel in terms of the injury it's the way Liverpool are playing I feel like clubs have sort of figured it out now and saying we can let them have the ball they'll press us really high put the ball into the channel and play from there and it's the intensity's not there I get that the they have had injuries, but Klopp should have seen this coming as well. Look, look, we go back to the James Milner thing. There should be players in to fill that. And I know, like you say, the Art Mello one, things like that. People have come in and got injured, but it's a, it's a bit of both here. I think Klopp should have seen this coming, should have filled holes before it happened. But look, if Liverpool were to somehow go and get fourth, like I think they will, I think they'll nick the Champions League positions, then it's not half it's not half bad season because they have been it's been really really poor so if they come out with Champions League football there's some sort of a positive spin on it if they do come out with Champions League football and we will talk Man United in a minute Man United fans don't worry if they do come out with Champions League football Phil uh, do they start next season as title contenders again or is this is there a, a new normal with Liverpool where they're actually in a tier significantly below the title contenders well, you think back to the season when they lost their centre-halves and they rescued that and they finished third and then last season they bring City all the way to the final day. And I get that they've had injuries, but a club that has ambitions to win titles shouldn't be derailed from injuries so drastically. I'm Like, if you have injuries, you adapt to the players that you have and Klopp hasn't done that. And I just, I think that would be a frustration for some Liverpool fans where they think you know, it's like you were saying drop I was even just, I, I kind of that would have been my attitude with watching them at times this season like why not drop because you have players that can play in the counter attack look at the goal that Salah scored against Everton Nunes got the ball from an Everton corner and absolutely roasted Idrissa Ganagay and then he sets up the goal but then if you look at the Real Madrid game if you look at Vinicius' goal, the first goal he scored, if you look at Benzema's first goal, Liverpool have numbers there. Yeah. But they're just ball watching. Benzema plays a 1-2 around them and they, they just let him go. The header from the free kick would suggest that this is not a so brilliantly even, coached even, defensively team. But okay. even players back, they're not, they're still not playing with any intensity. And whereas if you watch United now on Sunday, they'll have players back, but as soon as you go into certain areas, you know that you'll be approached by United players. And I think Sandro Martinez has just transformed the way they defend as a unit because he loves to defend. We obviously know Rafa Varane is a, an incredible defender and when he's fit and available. But Martinez has just instilled that kind of nastiness and... Yeah he takes pride in his defending and that rubs off on your yeah. teammates where you're thinking he's throwing himself in there I have to do the same well I've got to impress this guy absolutely you otherwise he's going to kick me in training well he yeah he strikes me as somebody that could uh, line you up in training a few days after if he, if he didn't put it in but yeah I, I just think if you can't use that as an excuse like injuries happen and I get that and all, all clubs uh, suffer from injuries but if Liverpool's title ambitions are based upon who's fit and available all the time then yeah, I, it's not a great no, it's not. starting point well it's a, it's a bad business model but I do think it might be the business model given how little money the owners have spent compared to the other yeah. big clubs that they're competing against the net spend figure that keeps getting thrown out it's a real thing like it is a real but thing it, is that they're, they're threadbare and that there's been a bit of alchemy from the manager to get to this point and he's like oh, I can only do so much I'm not a yeah, miracle worker he, like even the midfield 
they've got numbers there, but numbers like there's quantity and quality. Yeah, no, fair enough. I, so I accept that, that's what that's what's happening. That's why we've been talking about who would you start in midfield because the options aren't great there. No, it's not, and it's not obvious anymore. The way that that midfield trio was exactly the midfield trio for ages, and you, you knew exactly what you were going to get yeah. from it. Right, this is the football kickoff with Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. And make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtubecom off the ball. We haven't done enough on United here, <clears throat> given the run that they're on at the moment. There is a possibility, of course, that Manchester United are in a purple patch and that they'll, they'll come off their high heights. But there's also one of the possibility that this is the start of something incredible, that they get confidence from the cup win, they get confidence from the cup comeback. And that, um, you know, Garnacho, I mean, he was, that was a good finish. That was good. Yeah, well, it was, it was a really good finish. The, the first touch was excellent. As soon as he puts it out, you think he's going to bend this into the corner. He'd done it outstanding it was really really good and under Ten Hag the first two games of the season when he got beat by Brighton and Brentford they seem a long long time ago it's, it's chalk and cheese since then like I said beat Barcelona and Europe over two legs everybody's talking about Rashford his goals have obviously been brilliant his performance have been brilliant but the big one for me is Casemiro when he first came in he played a game and he, he looked a little bit heavy he looked a little bit lethargic and you're thinking he might be just coming here for a, a last paycheck and just you know setting off into the sunset it's been anything but you know he seems fit now he seems hungry and it's not just Casemiro you look at like Ten Hag you look at I always look at Eddie Howe on Newcastle and the players he's improved you look at the players that Ten Hag's improved at United Rashford obviously Casemiro Luke Shaw like he at one point under under Mourinho he was an, he was a laughing stock at United but he's brilliant now left back centre half wherever you want to play him Fred is even really really good and Bruno fan Bruno Fernandez as well looks really good so I I don't think this is a purple batch I think this is the start of something something good at United I think you know I don't want to. Uh, already finished this season but next season I think will be big for United they're not out of the, the title race this I don't think season, they're out of the title race either I think that there's a possibility that something weird is happening at Manchester City um, and so Arsenal then would need not to be flaky at some point they're going to be flaky at some point maybe their flakiness is over I don't know but yeah well even even like we've all said that Arsenal are going to hit a, hit a bit of a bump in the road I wasn't so sure that the the couple of losses they had was a bump because they had two losses to Manchester City. Very, very hard to call that a bump. And one of them was a cup game, yeah. One of them was a cup game. They got beat by Brentford that Ivan Tony's goal was offside. So that there's a realm where Arsenal win that game. And, and then they got beat by Everton, which was Deshaun Dyche, new manager bound. So I can understand that. Yeah. So very, very hard to say Arsenal have gone through a blip. But look, I, I don't know. I, I don't think Arsenal... I, I think Arsenal could go and do it. The more I watch them, I watch them during the week and... Yeah, I, I think they're playing better football in City at the minute. They're more, they're more attractive to watch. This Bournemouth game is three o'clock tomorrow on Premier Sports. Um, that's a routine victory for Arsenal, right? It just has to be. There can't be anything. Um, it, it, the Leicester game was 1-0, I think, but they were better value. I didn't see any of the Leicester game properly. So I don't know what everybody said. They were good value for that and it could have been easier. Yes, yeah, they were brilliant. They were really, really good against uh, against Leicester. They were brilliant. The, the, the way it's Zinchenko, like the, when you when you sit down and you t- you tell players how tactically how to set up and pass from A to B to C, Arsenal are doing it. It's like PlayStation football at time. It, it's so so easy, so controlled. And like I say, Zinchenko starts at left back. Next thing you know, he's a defensive midfielder, attacking midfielder, wide on the right. He the way he plays the ball into Saka for the goal when he he turns and hits. It's it's beautiful, beautiful football. It really is. And again, you're looking at Arteta. He's a brilliant manager. Who's he improving? 
almost everybody in that team has improved under yeah. him and you, Martinelli Saka Shaka Odegaard Trossard has hit the ground running and people will say well he was at Brighton he knows the Premier League it, it's not as easy as that really you know? he's come into a new club and hit the ground running and again even Ben White I wasn't a big fan of Ben White when he first came in in the door at Arsenal but playing him as a centre half he got bullied at Brighton but then moved him out to right back and he looks brilliant looks really really good very athletic very aggressive when he's getting up against wingers and yeah a lot to like about Arsenal so yeah, they'll probably lose tomorrow now. <laughs> well, there you go. And the other thing that everybody's like, oh, they don't know what it takes to win a, a, a league. But actually, the players who came in from City and it's like Jorginho's been at the top level of, of world football, you know, understands exactly what big games are about and what pressure is about. And Arteta was obviously at City for a long period of time. So while he wasn't the number one, he does understand largely what it takes. Yeah, and I think even the last couple of weeks, Eddie and Ketia. The, he, you know his goals have dried up a bit so he's been taken out of the team and I, I think that was a good decision and then you have Trossard coming in and basically playing through the centre but him and Martinelli swap roles and Martinelli's back scoring goals that goal I know was a tap in against Villa and it sealed the game and you you won't get an easier goal but you know since then he scored a couple of goals. He was celebrating on the way in. That's like a, you know, that's yeah. that. There's something. It's that wasn't your run of the mill tap in. It's like yeah, it's like it was a bit. But that was him. that was such a crucial win. I felt you know it was off the back of the the city game. You know they were behind twice. They win. Jorginho obviously has a, a key role in the third goal. But now Thomas Partey's back. Then you know, you've you've Martinelli scoring goals again, Trossard's there. And Ketia, you know, you can play him on Thursday in the the Europa League against Sporting. Not, not many people are talking about Arsenal and the Europa League because it seems all the focus is on the Premier League, but Arsenal have a very good chance of winning that as well. You know, wouldn't be bad now if we got an Arsenal-Manchester United final. That no. would be, be quite a, a tasty one. But, yeah, you'd, you'd imagine that they'll just go there tomorrow. They'll turn up at the Emirates tomorrow and they'll just take care of business against a Bournemouth team that I would have picked at the start of the season to go down and I haven't changed my mind. And, you know, they were patient against Everton and as soon as they got the first goal, just but the atmosphere even at the Emirates. Apart from City, you know, they're just so hard to beat at the Emirates and I think that'll be key for them. They've a few tricky away games to negotiate obviously the, the trip to City in April is going to be the, the big game you feel but by then who knows Arsenal could be further ahead just looking at their fixtures they've obviously they, they've got Fulham next weekend which could be a tricky one coming off the back of the, the sporting game but then they've got Palace and Leeds at home and then they go to Anfield who knows what form Liverpool will be in by then but Arteta's talked about that being the toughest place to go since he's been Arsenal manager but Liverpool aren't what they were even last season. Yeah, so, so sorry, it's it's Bournemouth, Fulham, Leeds, and Palace. Palace. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, you, if, like you if they at, if they get twelve points from those games, then you know, City are starting to run out of of games. Plus, City could drop points. Speaking of City, they've got Newcastle tomorrow morning at half past twelve. We've talked before about the the oddness of playing games at half twelve. What have early kickoffs on a? Did you have many of them? Yeah, I had a couple. It it doesn't really bother players, you know. You're eating scrambled egg and, and chicken. So you're okay. You're not having like pasta anymore. It's like I've got a bowl of pasta at eight o'clock for breakfast. No, well you can. It, it's whatever whatever you want really. You can eat, but you know, for me it would be dry pasta, chicken, scrambled egg. You know, eight o'clock in the morning. It's not great, but 
you have to put the fuel into into the engine or it won't go. So that's probably the only thing is you're up a little bit earlier. It's, it's not a big deal at all. Is it not? Because no. sometimes you see games where it's 3-0 after 15 minutes and what the hell happened here? And it's just yeah, a, Then any old excuse comes out. Oh, yeah. I was up early this morning. The, the, the scramble leg was a bit runny. It's Footballers will use any excuse they can. It really means nothing getting up out of bed a little bit earlier. Okay. On that note, City against Newcastle is one of those games though where we don't know really what to expect from either team in terms of their form at the moment. Or certainly... Um, the form of Newcastle in particular has not been great uh, and yet they were okay in the cup final like they weren't they weren't a disaster they didn't get it wasn't like uh, Newcastle in the 99 cup final it was a uh, you know they, they could have scored they created chances they had a goalkeeper making essentially a weird kind of comeback out of nowhere um, so I, I, I give them some credit for that performance as opposed to just like oh that was a disaster they, they choked I don't think they did choke no, they they didn't choke. There was probably a ten minute period in the game where Newcastle came off it a little bit and they got punished. That that was it, and that's what it is at at the top level. There's fine fine margins in it. Newcastle didn't freeze, but you know there, there was periods in the game where you're thinking this isn't great. But look, the one the worrying thing for me in terms of the Premier League, and even Eddie Howe has said it that. The, the cup final has been a distraction over the last couple of weeks he didn't want it to be but it has been a distraction and I suppose that's only human and it's not a big deal if Newcastle go and get straight on the, on the horse now after it will they do it against Manchester City I'm not so sure they've started to leak goals again which defensively was a big big thing you know Sven Botman back there Dan Bourne Kieran Trippier they look really really solid they're just starting to look a little bit I don't want to say flaky but they're starting to look a little bit more like you can, you can score goals against them now and Manchester City with the way they score goals if anybody can, can pierce holes in your defence it will be them so yeah look Newcastle our form but you know, I, I wouldn't put it past them. The, I think the reverse fixture was a three-all draw earlier in the season. Yeah, it was a wild game. Yeah, yeah that was, was a great, great game. game. And yeah. the one thing I know about Eddie Howe in Newcastle is he won't come there to, and park the bus. He'll be going there to try and swing some swing some digs. So I think we could get a high-scoring game again. Eddie Howe has got relentless credit for the job that he's done. But the owners were at the game, at the cup final. They're there for the, the parades. You know, there's like kisses for the players. There's like, it's... Uh, if you don't recover from this, if you if you bring the team to the cup final, and you were in the Champions League places, and then you don't seal the deal, then they're like, well, you did a good job, but there are great managers out there, and like, it's not beyond the bounds of possibility that they just tail off, and they're like, thanks very much for your work, Eddie. It's been excellent, but we're we're a super club, and we want Pochettino, or we want we want like something shiny and new because they're like. Uh, the owners are pulling money from the ground and they expect everything to be successful straight away. I get your point, but I think... It, I wouldn't it, do it. No, I, I think I wouldn't do it either. The reality I, is different, right? Yeah, the reality is different, but the one thing that I would caution the Newcastle fans is don't go into cuckoo land just yet. You know, you're doing very well. You've got to a cup final. You're sitting fourth in the league. Everything, or fifth in the league. You're doing really, really well. But you aren't at that top table just yet. You have the bank balance to be at the at the top table, but you aren't there in terms of the, the pitch just yet. So for me, they're punching above that way. Like when you look at Longstaff, uh, I know Joe Linton's been really good. There's certain players still in that. That if Newcastle were to go and pick two or three more decent players, you're thinking, yeah, these are these are real real team. They they look good, but they're a little bit off. And I don't think they'll finish in the top six. I think the cup has hurt them. I do think they'll be wounded by that. And a loss to City, you know, if City go and beat them, you know, four, five, two, something like that, then, you know, it could just leave a lasting effect on them. And Eddie Howe is not not a manager who will go and say, right, we need to be a little bit more defensively solid. Although 
you know, defensively they have been excellent. It's not something that Eddie Howard work on day to day. It's more of an individual thing. And yeah, I can see how it's been picked in Newcastle. But look, they're doing excellent. I, I just hope the the fans, the Newcastle fans, the Newcastle owners take a step back and have a full look at the picture and say, you know, we're probably punching above our weight at this moment in time. City's form, uh, beaten by Spurs and then won games, obviously beat Arsenal, beat Villa, drew with Forest, drew at Leipzig and then they beat Bournemouth and they won the cup game. So it's it's been up and down. Yeah, one interesting thing in the last couple of games is Phil Foden. So he's come back in after the World Cup. You remember at the World Cup, he wasn't starting for England and everyone was like, yeah, they got Phil Foden in and then he starts games. Comes back from the World Cup and he's not playing for... City and you're thinking what's going on now the last couple of games he's come in and he's looked like the Phil Foden we know he talked about having a little bit of pain and an injury that's gone now and he's starting to score goals again so I think with City why if you were asking me today who's going to win the league I'd still say City because I think they're just timing it just right in terms of the Champions League I know they're still in the last eight of the FA Cup. You'd fancy them to beat Burnley in the, the quarters and then they'd be in the semi-finals. But it's it's all about the Champions League and the Premier League for Guardiola. And I just think we're at the business end. This is where they're going to step up. Now, they're, they're definitely not as impressive as they have been the last couple of seasons where when I say I think they're going to win the league, I wouldn't have as much confidence as I, I would have had, say, in that last season. And... That's just because there's there's just a few things like a few players have gone out and there's just a few players like the whole Haaland thing trying to get the best out of them. Yeah, um, we had Graham Hunter on recently and he was saying uh, like it just feels like that um, some of the the players believe that Pep seems to be playing favourites a bit. What's that like in a dressing room? <sighs> it's not nice. I've been on the receiving end where I'm not one of the favourites a couple of times and it, it's not nice. But is there anything you can do to interrupt the pattern or is it just you just feel like there's no fair crack of the whip no matter what happens. But sometimes that's what you feel personally. I'm sure managers never actually, you know, try to impose that on players. But for me, you know, Eddie Howe came into Burnley and he brought Junior Stanislas from Bournemouth with him on loan. And I thought, well, if he's been at Bournemouth and he's bringing him with him, there's only going to be one left winger starting here. So I always thought that, you know, Junior was one of Eddie's boys and I was, you know, never going to play. And them sort of things can, can go into the into the dressing room. But I can't see it being too much of it. it, it uh, the, the big one for me with Pep is the Cancelo going to Bayern Munich yeah, that's a... I just don't understand it I really don't especially when you're popping Bernardo Silva left back and I've heard him talk oh, Bernardo Silva is very very clever he is he's a brilliant player yeah. but you can't just throw him left back against Bukayo Saka and think he's going to be alright and I know City did okay in that game but it's, ju- it's just mental it only when they changed they, yeah. they went back to their even the goal against Forrest that was that was Bernardo Silva's fault the, yeah. the ball coming in at the last minute that, that's his fault and Pep will always say you know he, he done well in the attacking sense he started the goal but if you'd had a natural left back there that cross doesn't come in did uh, Junior Stanislas play every game? A lot more than me, anyway. Did he, yeah, yeah. A lot more than me, yeah. and did you have to go and have a word with Eddie Howe and say here listen you know or like is that pointless? Uh, well at the time, I felt it was pointless. I'm sure, you know, in hindsight, I probably should have sat him down and told him how I, how he felt, and we probably should have could have bashed him out. But no, I I done the total opposite and what a what a good footballer should have done, and just hit the drink instead. So yeah, not not a great attitude for me, but hindsight's a wonderful thing. And did Eddie Howe ever tell you like you'll get in if you do this, this, and this? 
Uh, he used to sell me, yeah, when you get fit, you can play, you'll be you'll be back in the team. But this is while I, I was in the reserve team at the at the time. So yeah, he, he used to dangle a carrot in front of me. And this is what I always say about how, how good of a manager Sean Dyche is. Eddie Howe would say you'd be in the team when you're fit and you know, go off and get fit, but Dyche would tell me you'd be in the team when you're fit, let's go on a run together. Right. So that little thing is like, well, he wants me to succeed at this club rather than he wants me. But when I'm ready, whereas Deutsch was prepared to push me through and get me ready, it's just that little personal touch for me was 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 excellent. Just somebody taking a it's a subtle enough difference, but it's important. It was for me anyway. Yeah, you know, footballers are they're, they're crazy, crazy animals at times, and I I was quite crazy. But Deutsch just had that his man management was was second to none. Because well, I uh, this just this week they were talking about the 13 kilometers that Manchester United ran less in was it the Bournemouth game? The Brentford game. The Brentford game. Yeah. Sorry, the Brentford game, and then. He made them run the 13k. Can I this week that he ran the 13k oh, with yeah. them? Yeah. Well, I don't know. Maybe I'd missed that detail at the time, but it was like, uh, you know, he's, he's obviously not a full-time professional athlete, but uh, it was like, oh, I'm willing to do this as well. You know, all these things that, if they work, they seem yeah. like genius. But at least you're you're building up some pattern of like. I'm going to be reliable I'm going to be consistent and I'm going to be hard it's, it's just giving a message across that we're all in this together you know the manager obviously can't play on a Saturday or a Tuesday whenever it is but you know if there's a, a punishment to be done he's not saying you've lost the game you've gone and run we lost the game we'll go and run and it just makes it feel like more of a tight-knitted uh, tight-knit group yeah because the Ten Hag thing the other thing that came out um, was that he did an amazing interview with Manchester United blew them away Darren Fletcher's there and apparently he's like yeah you're, telling, you're saying all the right things but apparently it also has come out that he did a terrible interview with Spurs now maybe Spurs were asking the wrong stupid questions I don't know maybe maybe an interview is only as good as the interviewer you know yeah I think there could be a change of manager at Spurs again it's soon enough anyway so to be doing that interview process again hopefully they've perfected the art uh, the final game on TV on Saturday that we're talking about is Southampton against Leicester there's not a whole heap to say about this um, they changed the goalkeeper for the cup game during the week we hope it's just a cup thing really yeah I think it yeah, was you would have yeah. thought so yeah I'm not that we're biased or anything. Although I, 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 like Bazunu, at times this season has let in a few goals where I thought he should. I and last week against Leeds, I thought he was poor for the goal. He's still young. He's going to make mistakes. We've just got such high expectations of him because we've seen him at international level where he's been so good for Ireland. I saw one of the papers put a forty to. 50 million valuation. Maybe it was 30 to 40 uh, valuation alongside Quiven Keller. That's madness, right? For a number two goalkeeper? Yeah, it's madness. It is madness, isn't it? If he was going to become a number one, I saw a few teams talking about, or a few people saying he should go to, who was it, Emmanuel Petit I saw during the week saying oh, yeah. Spurs should go after him. Finger on the pulse, Manuel Petit with English football, it feels like. Yeah, and he was talking about Spurs and he could be part of a legacy. And I was like, well, at the moment, there's no legacy there. Not that there won't be with Conte. But I, I get Spurs are one of the biggest clubs in the league. So I, I can get why it would look like a good move. But, but you'd get him for 10 or 12 million, right, wouldn't you? Uh, Liverpool got 12 million for Danny Ward, who's going to be in goal tomorrow for Leicester. And I'd say he's at the bottom end of goalkeepers in okay. the Premier League. All right, so maybe, maybe... And that's without inflation. That's a good few years ago. Okay. Nottingham Forest versus Everton. You're on CoComs uh, for this one on Sunday. Keith, this game is live on telly on Sky Sports and uh, Nathan alongside you. Um, I think Forest are safe, No. No, not yet. Uh, look, Steve Cooper's doing doing a, a really good job because with the amount of players that have come in the building, gone out of the building, I really didn't give them much hope of staying up this year. But Steve, like I say, Steve Cooper, really, really good. 
if Everton were at home, I, I'd be leaning heavy, heavily towards Everton winning this game. But the fact that Forest are at home, they're a different animal. They've uh, they've had 25 points this season. 19 of them have been picked up at home. The majority of their goals are scored at home. They don't travel very well. And the, the flip side of that, Everton don't travel very well. So Everton going there, struggling for goals. I'm not sure. I, I can't see where the goal's coming from. They need Calvert-Lewin back. They need him fit. I know he, he, he's still uh, he's flirting with coming back. He's a bit of a hamstring problem, but he's so integral to what they do. If Deutsch can get him into the right areas, because I think we can all say, even you know the biggest Frank Lampard fan would say there's a bit of a better shape about Everton at the minute. Even I know they got they got trounced 4-0 by, by Arsenal during the week, but they won't play Arsenal every week, you know. Struggling to see where the goals come from, but look... I think Forrest are there for the take and I think Forrest feel like they're they're in a better place so they might be a little bit more flaky and I think everything will have the bit between their teeth and just somehow get something out of the game I'm not saying they'll go and win it but I don't think they'll be beat It's um, Todd Bowley looking at the job that Cooper's done Phil and thinking that's why why can't you just do that? Yeah I mean the, the whole Chelsea situation is, is bizarre and that they're, they're obviously playing Leeds tomorrow Chelsea and I kind of feel like that's their last league game before the Dortmund won and I think this is it like it's kind of make or break for Potter those two games that I just have a feeling that the players will pull it out for the Champions League because players will be thinking this is the Champions League even if Potter is gone in a few weeks we, we want to still be in the Champions League, League. Yeah. as good as Dortmund are and uh, as well like Chelsea have enough to beat them but going back to Forrest their home form has been brilliant unbeaten in eight and they're just so hard to beat at the city ground so I'd be, I'd be leaning towards Forrest Everton I, I know you said it Keith when when Deitch came in the goals are going to be the worry and you, like if you look at the goals that they've got since Deitch came in the Tarkovsky goal came from a header the Seamus Coleman goal mm. and they're not scoring any goals No. so with Calvert-Lewin you're probably desperate to get him back in it's just you, been so long since we've seen him play it yeah but he was level. brilliant in that Arsenal game where he was occupying two defenders whereas Neil Mope, you can go one on one with him. Yeah, you don't have to worry about the the ball in the channel and um, even the ball in the air that Calvert Lewin is so good. But you have to be patient with him because you have to just say, right, you might have to sit out one more game, but they need him for the running. They need him for the last ten games of the season if they're going to have any chance. I think. All right, good stuff, Keith, Phil. Thanks a million, lads. Uh, the football kick off with Sky every Friday around about half past eleven. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash off the ball. The football kickoff with Sky. Watch every single live Premier League game on Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports.